Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you this morning. Uh, As Pastor Sarah said, my name is Brandon Wallace. And my wife and I, we are proud members here at NCC, uh, and we just love this church. It, it's, uh, it's, it's blessed us so much, and so because of that, it truly is an honor to be able to pick up this third message in our series on the book of James, where we've been basically just marching through the book of James one chapter at a time. And so Pastor Aaron has told us that it's really has encouraged us as a church to be reading through James every week because it's only five chapters. You can take chapter one on Monday and be done by Friday because what James is all about, it's about the essentials, Uh, truths and principles that are essential and vital for the Christian life. It's really those things that, that you really need to know as you seek to walk with Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's the truths that you don't want to leave home without, if you remember the old American Express commercial. Now, we've all had those feelings of uh, frustration and panic and even hopelessness when we uh, leave the house and then we all of a sudden realize that we left something behind that was essential, or at least that we thought was essential. Or you're trying to leave the house, and you can't find what is essential for your day. Now, the most memorable experience for me happened about a year and a half ago, and I had to get up this one morning really early because I had somewhere to be, and I couldn't find my wallet. Now, confession time, uh, when if you're like me, uh, when you can't find something, you immediately go into blame mode. Is anybody like that? So I'm... Zana, did you put my wallet somewhere? Were the boys playing with it? Where is it at? Uh, and so I'm going through the house, uh, you know, this, this treasure hunt of devastation through the house, trying to find my wallet. I go out into my truck. I look in the floorboard. Did it fall between the seat? No, I still couldn't find it. I even called the gas station that I was at the night before because that's the last place that I remember having it and asked, did anyone find a wallet on the counter? And to no avail, no wallet. Now, it's, it's always a bad deal when you lose your wallet or you, you think that it's stolen. But what was especially bad about this day is, see, I was on my way to the airport. I had gotten up at 5 a.m., and, and I, didn't have, I didn't have time. So, yeah, you can imagine the, the frustration, right? Uh, no wallet which meant no driver's license, which meant I can't even get on the plane. So I'm panicked, I'm frustrated, and it's just hopeless. It's like, what am I going to do? Because I did not have the most essential thing for that day. And in a similar way, James, um, James doesn't want us as Christians to have those sorts of feelings as we go through the Christian life simply because we don't have the essentials. So the, the first uh, essential that Pastor Aaron gave us a couple weeks ago was that our pain has purpose. 
It really does. We, we don't like pain. Uh, you know, we, sometimes we question and we doubt during those times, but that's why it's essential to know that God has a purpose in our pain. And, uh, you know, Pastor Aaron may not think it right now, but maybe God has a purpose in the pain that he's going through. Uh, the second essential that we saw last week that Pastor Aaron gave us was that our faith needs action. You know, as Christians, we, we have faith in Jesus Christ, and, and we believe in these amazing promises in Scripture, amen? Uh, but we're called to live out our faith in practical ways. We're called to really put legs on our faith so that others can see what we truly believe. Now, as we, as we come to uh, this third message, James chapter 3, our third essential is this. So, so if you're taking notes and you want to jot this down, it's our words have power. Our words have power. Uh, what you say, and, and even how you say what you say, has power to affect your life and everyone else around you. It really does have power. So the question I want us to wrestle with this morning is, but what kind of power? Uh, what can we expect our words to accomplish? Wh whether, whether those words are words of intention that we thought through, or, you know, sometimes those words that just kind of slip out of our mouths that we're not even thinking about. What can we expect those words to accomplish? Why is it that as Christians we simply cannot afford to underestimate the power of our words? So I invite you to turn to James chapter 3 because James is going to answer this question for us. And if you don't have a Bible, there, there should be Bibles uh, there in the seat backs in front of you and it'll be on po uh, page 587, page 587. And if you don't own a Bible, then uh, you're welcome to take that home. That's our gift to you because, uh, as we said, as I said, we really believe that it's important to be reading through God's Word. So what kind of power do our words possess? The first thing that James tells us, he says our words possess the power to direct. Our words what we say and how we say what we say possess the power to direct and to control our lives. Notice how James begins in verse 1. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, if I could just stop there and be transparent real quick. The first time that you ever preach at your church... This is really not the kind of verse that you want to have to read and explain, right? Don't, don't become a teacher because, you know, you might, might incur stricter judgment. So that's just too convicting. I'm going to move on. No, in all seriousness, why does James begin here? Well, because teachers, what they do is they, they use their mouths. And, and James is going to tell us, he's going to prove that our words have power. And teachers have a great influence because they're talking to people, they're talking to large groups of, of people all the time. And so be careful to, uh, to become a teacher or take the position of a teacher because words 
uh, using your mouth really does have power. And it specifically has the power to direct and control. So notice how James says this in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. Amen. Now we're all on the same page, right? We all stumble. We all fall in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Really, James? Yeah, he's a perfect man, a mature man, able also to bridle his whole body. James says, look, we all stumble in many ways, but but there's this thing, there's this thing called the tongue, uh, our mouths, the, the, the words we speak. And because of the power of our words, if somehow we could focus on our tongues and con- could control our tongues, then everything else will be under control. If we could somehow harness uh, our, our tongues and our speech, then all the other things that we struggle with will take care of themselves. If I could put it bluntly to you, what James is saying is that your mouth is your biggest problem. Our mouths are our biggest problem. It's not just your teenager's biggest problem, although that may be true, but James here puts us all into uh, really the same pot. He says your your tongue uh, has this power, and we don't really know how it works. But he goes on and he gives us some illustrations to show how this works. He says in verse 3, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now, believe it or not, um, I actually used to rodeo. I I used to rope and ride horses. I I grew up around horses. Um, I don't have any of that anymore. You you know, I I got married and I had to grow up, so now I'm just stuck with the boots. (laughs) But it is amazing when you you take this 1,200... A 1500 pound animal and you can make him do what whatever you want simply with this little piece of metal in his mouth and if you have the right bit it it you, you can make him spin you can make him back up you can make him go forward not by even tugging on the reins but just by a little bit of pressure with the fingers on the reins and James says that's that's the way the tongue is and he gives us another picture he says, look at the ships also, verse 4. They, uh, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Or we could say, look at your car. You know, to, to direct your car, you don't go out and turn the wheels every direction, you know, in the direction you want to go. You don't go out and, and push your car. No, you, you simply... You, You get control of this very tiny instrument relative to the car, and when you're in control of it, you're in control of the entire car. And that's the way the tongue is with our bodies, with with our lives. Now, I think we get this. I think uh, we get it because, you know, the more we say we're going to do something, the more likely we are to do it, right? I, I mean... We even get frustrated with people who uh, don't do what they say they're going to do, right? Because we know that there should be this connection between our words uh, and our actions. Um, Imagine that you walk up uh, onto a fight, 
two guys are just duking it out, throwing, throwing blows and punches. And, and you ask somebody that was there, what are they fighting about? And the person goes, I, I don't know. They, they were just standing there speaking words of brotherly love to one another and kindness, and then they just started swinging. You would say, what? They're, it, they're either putting this on or that didn't happen. Because we know that something like a fight is the result of language that's escalated. Um, I, I, I'm a pastor to the homeless, and um, when you're working with people who are very broken, and, and every day is a bad day, and you get a bunch of them into a building uh, together, you, you know, to say it mildly, you know, there's, there's drama from time to time. Uh, there are even fights that break out. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that pretty much 100% of the time, it, it starts with how people are talking to one another. Because words have the power to direct. So James might say, look, uh, and this might be you. Maybe you're the type of person that is very thankful, very grateful for what God has done in your life, what you have. And, but you verbalize that all the time, and people notice that. A person like that is, is a person that doesn't struggle with jealousy, that doesn't struggle with envy and, and coveting what other people have. Why? Well, because, because their words have directed that part of their life. Or you take a person who stays away from, from any kind of gossip. You'll also find that that person doesn't struggle with unforgiveness. Why? Because they're because of getting control of, of their words has, has controlled that area of their life. Or you take a person who doesn't use inappropriate language, even, you know, even the language that seems innocent. That, that, that's the type of person that doesn't cut corners at work or cheat in school because their words have directed that part of their lives. So a simple question that you know, that we can all ask, that I can ask myself, you can ask yourself, is what am I struggling with? You know, in, in, as Christians, we talk about those besetting sins, those things that we, uh, that we just can't sometimes find victory over. Well, James says, let me give you a suggestion. Instead of focusing on that, on what you think is the issue, look at your mouth. Focus on your tongue because the tongue, your words, have the power to direct your life. And so you can't afford to underestimate that in the Christian life. It's essential to know. So our words have the power to direct, but James goes on and he gives us a second truth. He says our words have the power to destroy our words have the power to direct, but unfortunately, they also have the power to destroy and corrupt. Verse 5, he says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, or our, our bodies, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. 
For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And we could add to that without exception. Verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Well, no. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, those are some strong words. In fact, uh, this is the most extensive passage on the tongue in the entire Bible. And this is what James says, that those words can have the power to destroy. Even though they seem small, even though uh, there are times when they don't seem like that big of a deal, James says it's, the tongue is like a, a small spark or that cigarette butt that's flicked out the window and it lands on dry grass and it sets everything ablaze. Uh, some scholars have said that this, this idea of the entire course of life, that the picture here is like your life is like a wheel and the tongue sets it on fire and, and it's being destroyed. But as it rolls through life, it touches and sets aflame everything else that you touch. Now that would be, that would be strong enough. That, that's, that's hard enough to swallow. But James goes on and says, it's even set on fire by hell. Folks, you know what that means? It means that sometimes our words and our speech are demonic in origin. That Satan actually can use our words as his instrument. The, the apostle Peter, in one of his letters, he, he tells us that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking people to devour. And we go, well, how, does he, how would he do that? I, I, I don't see Satan. I don't, I don't sense you know, demonic activity. And James says, maybe one of the primary ways that Satan devours is with our own words. And then he tells us that, unfortunately, words of destruction are really the common human experience. He says, go to the zoo. Look at all these animals that, that we've tamed, even the ugly ones like seals. We make them clap and do all these things. I'm sorry if you're a seal lover. But that's the reality, James says. It's, uh, we, we, we can tame all these things, but there's something about the tongue that, that's hard to tame. As James says, it's a, it's a restless evil. It's just always got to say something. We've all heard the phrase, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. And James says, that's a lie. That's not true. And, and we know that by our experience. I, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, we've been the recipients of it. And sadly, it, we would have to confess that we've, we've given it ourselves. Maybe it's that, it's that word that's spoken to a spouse in a moment of anger that you didn't mean, you regretted it, but now it becomes that hard-to-forget memory. Or there's that, that little bit of gossip that severs a lifelong friendship 
or spreads like a wildfire through a church and tears churches apart. I mean, story after story about churches that are torn apart by just a little bit of gossip. By the way, it's been said that if someone will gossip to you, they'll what? They'll gossip about you. It's deadly and it destroys. And sometimes we've seen the, the devastating effects uh, that happen when a kid at school is bullied verbally. And nowadays it's not even spoken, but it's, it's through text messages and, and, and Facebook. It's deadly. It kills self-esteem and, and carries on into adulthood. Words have the power to direct. Words have the power to direct, but they also have this power to destroy. And so it's essential to know that, and it's essential to live that out in a way that's consistent with who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what James says in verse 10? He says, look, this double talk, that, this hypocrisy that happens sometimes in our lives, this, this is not the way it should be. He, he, says, he says, look, you've, uh, you've been transformed. You're sort of like this source of fresh water. You have the Holy Spirit within you. And just like we wouldn't expect salt water or tainted water to come from a fresh water source, we shouldn't expect uh, filth and words of destruction to come from those who have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. So, even in those times when it's hard. So, Mom, there you are. You're, um, you're with the kids that day. And they're driving you crazy. They've been driving you crazy all week, but it's really bad that day. And it's, it's like one of those days where uh, you think, did they stay up all night just systematically planning how to get on my nerves? And you've tried to control them. You've tried to be gracious with them. And there comes that moment when you could be stern or you could cross that line. And sadly, we've, as parents, sometimes we've done that. We've crossed that line where we could speak words that are not appropriate as a Christian parent and could damage them, even though we may not see the damage right there. And so we say, no, uh, I have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, so I'm going to harness my words, I'm going to harness the power of my words and use them in a way that honors God. Or there you are, it's, it's a holiday, and you're gathered with all of your family and the extended family, and there's that one relative, right? Everybody know who that one relative is? It's that one relative that you have the great privilege of avoiding the vast majority of the year. You pray for them at a distance, but there they are. Uh, they're in your house, and they're doing what, they're, what they always do. They're making those slight jabs. They're making sarcastic remarks about you and your family and the way you live. And, you know, you're just, you bit your tongue for so many years and, and you've had it up to here and, and you just feel like just giving it right back to them to silence them once and for all and, and, and even a little bit more. You could feel justified in, in doing that. But you say, no, that would not be consistent with who I am in Jesus Christ. 
So I'm going to, as difficult as it may be, I'm going to harness the power of my words and I'm not going to stoop to that level. I mean, we know this works. Just, Just imagine for a moment, folks. Just imagine how different life would be if we could just get this one thing right. Just imagine how different, how how the environment would change at our schools if Christian kids were able to control their tongues. Uh, Just imagine the difference it would make in our homes. Just imagine how much more healthy our marriages would be. I mean, if you were a marriage counselor, you might be out of a job because words have this great power in our lives. Our words have the power to direct, they have the power to destroy, and we can't underestimate that. It's essential to know that and to live that out as followers of Jesus Christ. So there I was, panicking and blaming and feeling frustrated and hopeless because I I couldn't find my wallet. And then my wife, after a little bit of time, because she's a lot more intelligent than me, she, she says, well, you, you have your passport. I'm like, yeah, I do. I, I've got my passport. I can go on my trip. It's, it's a short trip, so I can, I can get by, but at least I can get on the plane because I have something that is more than essential to make the trip. Friends, you know, we... When we look at a passage like James 3, we're encouraged to, uh, to use our words in a way that, that honors God. But when you read it, it also reminds us of how much we've blown it. Am I right? I mean, we've, we've, as James says, we've all stumbled in many ways, and we especially stumble with the tongue, and there will be times when we will stumble again. But we have a passport. And his name is Jesus Christ. It's important to use our words in a way that honors God, but we don't trust in our words. We don't trust in our our good behavior to get us to God. We we trust in the words of Jesus Christ. When, When he spoke on that cross, it is finished. Now just, I know we hear that all the time, but just pause for a moment and think about what that means. It is finished. All the ways that that you've ever stumbled and and sinned in your past, your present, and the ways that you will stumble, even with your mouths in the future, all of that was taken upon Jesus Christ on the cross, and he paid for those things. And he rose again, proving that it was a done deal. And all we can do is trust him. Believe that message. Believe that Jesus died for us and rose again so that we could have life and so that we could then be free to use our words in a way that honors him. Because we're not striving to use our words to get to God, but we're using our words in a godly way because we've been transformed by him. Church, I just want to remind you that the Christian life is is all about rest. It's not a test. And we rest in what Jesus has done. And we're free to live for him. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it encourages us. And yet, Lord, it convicts us. It reminds us and points us back to you. 
So we thank you, Lord, that, that you died for our sins and you rose again. And you are our hope. And as your children, Lord, we, we want to honor you with our words. Uh, because our words have power, we want uh, to use our words in a way that build up and heal. As Paul tells us, uh, we don't want unwholesome words to come out of our mouths, but only words that build up and edify. So Lord, help us, I pray, by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.